Here we go. Hey, welcome to another episode of Chase the Vase Podcast. Guys, I, I think you could probably hear it in my voice, the excitement, the uh, dude, I am just, I mean, I've been waiting for this opportunity to, uh, to have Ben Fuller on my podcast. Uh, what, what a, what a light. And, uh, Ben, before I introduce you, I just want to, from my heart to you, man, thank you for your journey. Thank you for getting through it. Uh, and, and more than anything, thank you for accepting the invite to come to Mesa, Arizona in July and to put on a show, brother. Uh, amen, amen, and amen. I'm, I'm honored to be here and uh, just grateful to share um, my story. And uh, it's an opportunity that um, I, I believe it, it's for one person. You know, and I've been I've been really feeling this a lot lately, but um, just one person because and it's not it's such a cliche saying, but I was that one person, you know, and I know you were, too. And so it's it's a it's a gift to be able to share with that one person um, because we could you know, it was our lives that have been changed. Mm. So, yeah. And and that is the goal of this event. But before we just really get into and introduce you, uh, I always take a moment to thank the first responders who are out there just just going to battle for us, man. Thank you, men and women, for military, police, fire, whatever you're doing. Thank you. Um, and and Ben, let's 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 share a little bit of you, man. I I know that you're from Southern Vermont. You were raised on old classic country music, which makes me giggle. My my family's from the South. They're from Mississippi. <laughs> And I was raised on old school country. I don't know if you've ever heard of the the song "Snicky Snake" by Tom T. Hall. No, I haven't. <laughs> no, man, you need to you need to listen to it. But I remember there's a story. My my brother and I we love this album. It was on on the you know the the record player, and I got mad at him one time, and I pulled the the record off and I chucked it across the room, and Snicky Snake hit the wall and broke. <laughs> and it was like a devastating moment in our home because that was like. That was it, man. That was the music we listened to. So, wow, um, old country music. What what were you raised on? Um, I my dad was like, it's so funny that now being exposed more to Nashville country music, it it was different. I think probably different music than you, but Steve Warner, Vince Gill, um, you know that. Like, I don't want to say softer side, but but maybe a little softer, um, you know. And so I I think that 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 really helped shape, um, got me excited about country music and still does. It's amazing how nostalgic some of that nineties country, you know, going back to, uh, for me, it'll take me, take me right down memory lane, but yeah, definitely. I would say Randy Travis, you know, that, that wheelhouse, um, of country music. So, man, yeah. So I, I want to talk a little bit. I know, I know it, if you had to pick a genre of music that you just, that you zone out to, what is it? Metal. Metal. Oh man, my man. Okay. I would say, I would say, um, it's a, it's probably a close tie between metal music or, um, classical music, complete opposites of the spectrum. But, um, yeah, I can find so much, um, escape in, in, um, you know, hard rock metal music. And I just love that. The, the, the feeling, um, but also I can get lost in Yo-Yo Ma and, and he, we could, I could soar in the clouds and, and, and 
there's something powerful about classical music too. So yeah, wow, one man. or the other. I think they're pretty equal in my book. Yeah. All right, man. So you're about to go on stage. You got the headphones on. I don't know, man. I don't know if you played sports back in the day, but you're about to get on. Yeah. What's your go-to metal song? Um. Oh my gosh. It would probably. I don't know if I. I have been digging. Um. I have been digging. You know what? And it's so funny. And I'm going to say this because I have been feeling like this lately. But I've been listening to a ton of POD. And so I know that they're like, they kind of got this, this West, you know, coast rock, whatever thing. But like, man, um, there's something powerful that happened in youth of the nation that like sends me to a, like, and I'm just ready to go to war. And, um, but I've been listening to a ton of them lately. And then, um, Memphis may fire is another band. Maddie Mullins, just incredible. There's something in their music too. Maddie's a super believer, but um, yeah, I don't know if it's a song per se that I'm like that I have to listen to. But um, I'm probably going to say "Youth of the Nation" as far as like, and I know that's not super metal, but I, I'm more of a I love the singing mixed with the the screaming and the rock and the everything. So yeah, man, yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Let, let me read a little bit of your bio because I, I think it'd be a cool way to get into this. So, I, I know you put in your in your paragraph, and this is maybe something you want to hit on a little bit. Is due to this generation of hurt in your family, you've struggled with aspects of growing up, and you turn to drugs and alcohol, and that's that's kind of the focus of this podcast and and the focus of who we're about. I, I think there's just something powerful in the recovery journey. Yeah. You know, like inactive addiction that wasn't very powerful. Yeah. You know, the, the drug was, but we weren't powerful. I yeah. felt like we succumbed to everything. But uh, do you feel like there was a tie between your childhood traumas and your your drug addiction? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't doubt it for a second. But it I believe that, you know, when I started realizing that I was there was a pain inside and I didn't necessarily realize that, uh, you know, growing up was kind of screwed up in the fact that um it was not, and I've learned this more and more too. It was not my dad's fault um, for the way that he treated me. It was not his fault because it was passed down to him. And it had turned into this generational thing, you know, where I don't blame my dad for the way that he treated me and um, the love that he missed out on uh, growing up. The cool part is through all of it, um, is that the, the whole family tree has changed now. The branch that sprouted off mm. of this tree has allowed for love and light and forgiveness and Jesus to just come in and change everything. And it's like, and it's everything is completely upside down now. And my dad is watching this thing going, what is, what is hap What is he doing? He's singing about Jesus, but there's something powerful here. There's people that are latching on that people are coming out of the woods and they're, they're watching and they're praising and they're waiting. And, um, but I would totally, you know, the way that, the way that I grew up was really hard because that relationship miss, was missing. And I couldn't go to my dad and say, dad, I'm, I had a really hard day at work and, and or at school. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'd like to talk about this girl that I have a crush on, or I'd like to, I'd like to talk to you about, you know, and it was always just like, I don't know if he wasn't necessarily like, 
bash me, but it would be it. There was a wall up that I couldn't, I couldn't get through. Um, and so it was really hard. And that, you know, 16 years old, I was ready to, I was ready to kill myself. You know, I mean, it was, um, I had a lot of issues. I had a lot of, a lot of things inside that were boiling. And, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a power in staring down the barrel of a gun and that is like no other, you know, and I, uh, it's, I don't wish it upon anybody, but, um, there's something that happens when, when that happens. And, um, I am so grateful that God had other plans for my life because uh, now I can talk about it. Um, you know, but I hid that story for 17 years, you know, and I was ashamed to have anybody know, um, that I almost pulled the trigger. And, uh, I think the truth that comes out and the, the permission and the forgiveness that it allows for somebody else to hear that story. Um, you know, there's, there's a power there too, because it gives someone that freedom to be able to say, you know what? I actually went through that too. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people that whisper in my ear that their gun didn't go off. It's crazy. There's a lot of people that have scars. There's a lot of people that, that are afraid and ashamed to show their scars, even believers. I mean, it doesn't matter who they are, are ashamed and afraid to talk about their real problems. Um, or, or sexual abuse or what, whatever happened to them as a child. Um, there's a lot of freedom that comes from someone who can speak out, um, in faith and man, does God move. So, man, cause you're, you're, you're speaking to a guy, man, I'm, I'm, I'm getting chills. Cause just talking about the, the way that you're presenting this, I, I was the same guy, man. I, I was going through my opioid addiction, drove up up on the top of a mountain, go pick up my kids, and I. It was that is that moment of like I'm just I'm nothing, wow. right? I'm nothing, and I pulled my service revolver out that I had in the center console, put it to my head, and and I heard my son in the back say, "Dad, you're not a chump. You're not going out like this." And I, I just, I mean, I. We can talk. We can talk God here, and and what's interesting is he's the only person that could have spoke to me. That would would have allowed me to listen. Amen. I mean, I could have had a you know, I, any other person could have talked to me, but at that moment, wow. I needed my son, and uh, he knew that. You, you, yeah, he knew that, and I knew that, and uh, it's just amazing that how we get to the point to where we have those thoughts about really taking our lives. Yeah. So, so where were you at? Like in, in your mind, what was happening? And how did you make that transition into drugs? Was that just a comfort thing? Yeah, and that's exactly what it was, is I believe that, you know, that that life flashing before your eyes feeling, you know, I saw the funeral, I saw the line out the door, I saw my mom finding me, mm. I saw all these things. It was, it was, it was real. And, um, you know, I, I realized I couldn't do that. I had, I had, and it was that, it's that little whisper of, you know, that, that, that there's more, that there, that there's something more for you. There's something better than this. It's gotta be better than this. It's that secret, you know, of like what, it, there's something out there. I don't know what it is, but it's better than this. Um, and you know, two short, two short years later, um, I got introduced to cocaine and that was it for me. I mean, that euphoria, um, the high, the feeling of using, and your whole body being numb and you're not worried about anything. I mean, it's for me, that was like, you know, the devil knew that that was exactly what I needed 
And, um, man, it just took me on this lifetime trip of, of using and, and, but I could function, I could work 60 hours a week as a stonemason, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong, you know, I'm strong, I'm working, I'm, everyone loved me on the outside. I'm funny and all these things. And then, but, but on the inside, man, I hid this very few of my friends knew I had this secret addiction, um, and knew that I loved cocaine and, 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 um, along, along with that came the drinking and the driving and the sex. And I mean, it's just crazy, you know, just crazy lifestyle of using and abusing and, uh, falling in and out of relationships and, um, but never, ever, ever did I get caught. And, um, you know, I, I, I got caught one night, um, just, just once and I got pulled over. Um, I was actually already pulled over, um, with my best friend who's now dead, uh, from an overdose. Um, but, but we were pulled over and, uh, late at night and, um, you know, the cops showed up and, um, I got a gross negligent operation, but I blew, I blew just over the limit. And then by the time I got to the police department, I blew under the limit. And this was when I was like 21, 22 years old. We were on our way to get, we were on our way to get blow. We were on our way to, to use. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, and, and, and we were miles away from doing that a mile away from doing that. And, and I never, if I would have had, man, if I would have had an eight ball in my pocket, I, I think I might not be talking to you right now. I don't know. And so, but he had other plans for my life and he kept me out of prison and he, and he kept me out of trouble. And I don't know how, I mean, the nights I drove home, but I don't remember driving. I mean, it's funny as we're doing this podcast in my truck right now, I'm thinking about the times that I drove home and I I don't remember driving home. I, I, it just, it, you know, using my key fob to find where my truck was the next morning, because I don't even know where I parked, you know, that's, let me, let me ask you. Let me let me ask you really quick. I, I want to back up just a little bit because I, I, yeah. I want to keep going. But the question I had is everybody around you, and I, I can't tell you the amount of time people said this, that like everybody loved me. I was able to go to work. I was f- high functioning, but yeah. inside I was burning up. Yeah. Like I hated, I hated who I was. I wasn't content. So did you ever have that battle? Uh, I absolutely had that battle. Um, absolutely. And I think that, that keeping it together on the outside was the utmost important thing, right? Because it was like, I need everybody to see that I'm okay. Oh, I can't, I can't have too many. And to this day, it still even bothers me a little where someone's like, are you all right? I'm like, of course I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm quite like, what? Do I not look good? Am I not, am I, am I, am I tired? Am I, you know, cause I've had people say, you know, you, you are you all right? You know, you're, you look like you're getting a little worn out and you know, are you resting enough? And, uh, I just had this talk with my manager about 20 minutes ago, actually, just before this podcast started about resting and being still and, and, um, I'm so guilty of just push, 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 go, 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 go. Um, you know, because that's the way I was raised, you know, farmers are hard workers. Um, but yeah, I, I am so guilty of not realizing the balance that was needed from the inside to the out. Um, and man, I just neglected the inside so much. Cause I was like, well, uh, as long as I don't have any white under my nose and, and, uh, I can kind of, uh, hide myself that I'm really this high right now, people will see that I'm fine. And I talk, wow. talked to my parents face to face, high as a kite, and they had no idea. I mean, that's the truth. You know, my mom and dad didn't even know I had a drug addiction until they, I think they saw it on a podcast, 
you know, maybe a year and a half ago or something, and they, they had no idea that their son struggled. I hit it. I mean, you know, when you're a professional, you can, you can hide it. You can hide it well. And nobody will ever, oh, I didn't know that sweet boy had a problem. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, oh, it looked like he was fine. But isn't that the case? Man, how do you talk to people about that? Because that, that is the truth, man. Like we no, probably nobody knew that you wanted to kill yourself, that you had a gun in your mouth, yeah, you know, yeah. that nobody knew you had a drug. So how do we how do we get through to these kids, man, that like, hey, we got to talk about this? Man, 9,000 children and in, in, uh, 9,000 kids at Youth Christians Weekend um, in Branson, Missouri. And I walked out on stage and the Lord, we prayed and the Lord moved so mightily. And I got in front of that microphone and there were kids lined up all across the stage and lined up in this amphitheater style, whatever. There was kids everywhere from 12 to 18 or whatever. And uh, all their group leaders and anyway, just young kids, you know. And I saw this young boy in the crowd and uh, he looked about 16 and, you know, I saw myself standing there. And I saw myself looking up at me who had just walked out on stage. And I was like, what is this guy going to say to me that's going to change how I was feeling last week or change what I'm going to do tomorrow? And, uh, man, it was powerful. And I remember coming out on the stage and just looking at this boy and said, when I was your age, I had a gun in my mouth and I didn't want to live anymore. And... And it just echoed in the amphitheater. And I and I had a moment after I said it where I realized that I just said it out loud. And everybody was just staring at me. And, and it became very real in that moment and very apparent. But the freedom and the stares from all those kids where they just all just looked at me with intent, hanging on the next words that were going to come out of my mouth, God's words that were going to come out of my mouth. I was just like, wow. I just said that and I feel so good and I'm so glad I did. And that's how we're going to change this thing is talking about it. And that's how we're going to change this thing is stepping out. And, and your stage may look different than my stage. And that's the beauty is your stage may be at work. Your stage may be at an after school PTA event. Your, your, your stage might be a, a, a soccer game or a baseball game after school or something standing in front of three or four people. I don't know. But I do know that talking about it is the freedom that happens by the blood of the mm. lamb and the word of our testimony. You can anything can happen. And and it's just that freedom um, that happened for me on that stage. Even even so, just for me, it was like glory to God. <laughs> Man, do you ever like this? This is this may be pretty deep, but do you ever feel a responsibility to just connect like God's given you this gift, right? Yeah. He's given you this stage. Yeah. I mean, we all want that stage, yeah. brother. You know, yeah. we all want the ability to touch 16,000 people. Yeah. But do you ever feel that responsibility? Like, I got to be on, man. Like, I, I've got to be able to be so open and, and transparent that people can just feel God through me. Yeah. Uh, I had a just came off tour with Unspoken. And Chad Matson is one of my best friends. He's just one of the sweetest guys. I feel like him and I could go the next 20 years without talking and we could call each other and it would be just perfect as we never left. But he's 19 years clean and sober and um, just an amazing, amazing encouragement to me. But I'll never forget. I was in Middlefield, Connecticut at Vox church. And um, I 
was on stage. It was about 400 people in there. And, uh, I was opening up for them and my second song came and I got a standing ovation. Um, and I remember telling everybody to sit down because I was just like, I'm not done yet. You know, I'm not finished and this is embarrassing and, you know, sit down and nobody would sit down and they just kept clapping and cheering. And all I could do was just stand there and cry behind the microphone because I couldn't, I didn't know what else to do. Um, and later that night after the show, um, I was on the bus and I was sitting in the back and my friend Ryan came up to me, who's the front of house and incredible front of house, man, an incredible man of God. And he sat down, he started getting really emotional. He looked at me and he just said, I've never seen anything like that. Standing ovation after second song, he said, but I want to tell you, they didn't stand up for you. They stood up because they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus on that stage tonight. And it just like, it slapped me so hard because I I was like, man, I, as a man, I wanted to take the credit for, you know, it's my voice, it's my songs, but I knew the spirit was, the spirit of God was, was, it was, it was like, I was electrified. It was like someone had plugged me into the wall outlet and I just could feel that constant buzz and that, that buzz of the Holy spirit, that high that I could never get from, from any of the cocaine or any of the sex or any of the alcohol, that high, that was like magnified times a hundred. And it was just like, wow. And I did nothing for it. And that's the crazy part. And that's why, that's why I keep coming back is because I, I, I didn't have to do anything for it. I didn't have to spend money or drive at 2 a.m. as drunk as could be to try to find some cocaine to keep me up to watch the sunrise to then just realize that there's nothing. There's nothing else. What am I even doing up at 6 a.m.? I haven't gone to bed. I, I, what am I staring at? Like those, those countless nights that I wasted doing that, man. But that's what it is. It's this is, is that high from the Holy spirit and having this platform and the fact that I constantly repent of performance and I constantly say, God, no, this isn't me. I'm done. Like this isn't, this is me because I've said yes to you. That's what this is. This is me Mm. because I've said yes to you. It's not me because I want any of this credit or this glory, but I believe that that's why he's continued to blow these doors open uh, in my life. So you, you, you know, we talk about chasing the dragon or we're always trying to go back to that first high. Do you ever feel like that synergy and that, that like you're plugging in on stage that you're just chasing that, like that has become your new addiction, man, that, that relationship, you know what I'm saying? Like we got to replace it with something and what a, what a phenomenal replacement. It seems like it constantly grows and grows and grows and it, it is. And it's funny because that has become, um, you know, chasing him has become my new addiction really. And it's just like, well, how do I get more of this? And how do I tune in a little, a little harder? How do I, how do I adjust this dial just to, to hear you a little more? How do I, you know, and it's all, it's all amazing. It's all good because it's, it's healthy and it's, uh, and it's, and it's actually healing me instead of, uh, killing me, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, the biggest thing for me is just that, like I said, repenting of the performance aspect. And, and I've been convicted of that 
um, recently on stage, you know, as the, as the, the crowds and the stages have gotten bigger. And I think the last show with unspoken, there was, you know, one of them was 1100 people and, and that was a big crowd for me. And I, you know, I was like, wow, uh, God in that moment, as I'm up there singing and I'm worried about, you know, what are they thinking about me and all those things? I, I really felt like from God that this is my worship to him and all these people are here just to witness that. That's it. They're not, that's it. Like he's, he, man, what a responsibility. He, he's, put, he's put those people here. Yeah. He's put those people here in front of me, but it's my job to just worship God. And whatever that looks like is just between me and him. But you guys are just, whoever is just watching this worship. And if, and if, as long as I keep it that, I believe for the rest of my life, for the rest of this career, if it, if it lasts till tomorrow or, if it lasts 30 years from now, I don't know. But if I keep it every time I walk on stage, I just worship him. And it's just between me and him. I don't care about anybody else or whoever else is there in the best way possible. I say that because I care about everybody, but I, but I, right. but I don't care who's there because it, this is my worship time. And he's just, he's, he's done I, it in a way where he's allowed it to just be uh, public. So let's back up. What was your, like, you had to hit a bottom. You had to hit a moment where you're like, God, man, this is, I can't do this yeah. anymore. So there had to be this pivot, right? We always talk about some type of, of, of just, I need to go in a different direction, yeah. God. Here we go. And then um, how did you find him? Like, people find God all the time, but how do you pursue him, I guess, is maybe the better I question. I didn't find God. He found me. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I've got a song called He Found Me, and um, it, it'll be, I don't know exactly when it'll be out, but it is on the record, and um, I'm excited because because I didn't find God, He found me, and through all this, I had no idea He was with me the whole time, but um, He sent a family from Vermont, um, the Davenport family, and I just love them dearly for being so obedient to Him. But he sent them down here a year and a half before I even moved down here and uh, in the fall of 2018. And, uh, you know, I brought my addiction with me. I brought my pride with me. I brought all my baggage and my junk and uh, moved down here for country music. And um, it was a big jump, you know. And I played Broadway for 10, 11, 12 months, whatever it was, from 2018 to 2019 in the fall of 2019 I got a phone call from this family and I was just I had reached that point of like you know I was 30 I guess 33 years old 32 and a half 33 years old and I'm like I'm done is this it that's the same age Jesus yeah. died right he was 33 yeah, when man. he passed and I'm like this is it I felt it so strongly in my wow. heart I was like this is it like I'm done I'm tired is, is this how it ends? Is this how I, is this my fame? Is this my thing? Is this, and I, and I was so like questioning everything and that family calls and they got my number through a friend. And anyway, they called me up and they just said, you want to come over for dinner? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And turns out they only lived about eight minutes away. And, uh, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So I went, you're like free food, eight minutes. Yeah, let's baby. go. And I was like, sign me up. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. I hadn't been eating the best, and 
anyway, I went over there and that night they asked me if I'd like to go to church with them. And, um, that next morning, it was a Saturday night. And they said, would you like to come to church with us in the morning? And, you know, me being the guy that I am, I was like, I feel like I owe you guys something. So sure. Like you, you fed me. Now I'm going to go with you because I'm going to be nice. And, you know, I've always been a nice guy. And so it's, it's not like I've, it's not like that part, that part has been amplified, but I've always, I feel like I've always been respectful and tried to be nice to people. But, um, I, I, you know, that next morning went to church with them and uh, church of the city in Franklin, Tennessee, 3000 people just insane. I've never experienced anything like it in my life. And when we, when we got to the long hallway that led to the auditorium, it was the music and I heard the music and it was the bass and it was the, just the amplifiers and the, the sound. And it was just like this wholesome magnet that was drawing me into this, into this space. And I walked into the aisle and it was like, I remember looking at everybody and being like, why does everyone have their hands up? You know, why does, what is, what is this place? What is going on right now? But everybody looked beautiful. Like everybody that I met was so beautiful, men, women, children, everybody was glowing and they were happy and they were excited and they were, it was just, the feeling was just like, where I'm in some fairy tale land right now. Like, and Chris McClarney and uh, John Reddick were leading worship and uh, on stage. And it was just so powerful. And I stood there in that aisle and just knew and felt from God in that moment. It was like, I gave you your voice and now you're going to sing for me. And, Mm. and I just laid it all down right there. And I said, I'm done running and I'm done trying to be whatever. And if you're even real, and, and this is real, then you just, you just do it. You take it. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm going to try this. And, uh, the next two months I, st- I continued to go <clears throat> and it was like, it was like clockwork. The things I was 17 beers a night, you know, and I was drinking and, uh, it went to 10, 12, 10, 12, 13, eight, 10, six, eight, two, none. What is going on with me? I don't really know what's happening. <laughs> Friends would call, bro. We're going to the bar. It's like, damn, nah, I'm good tonight. What? Like, but we're going to go, you know, or, or just, just little things here and there. I was like, something's changing. I don't know what it is. It, it's, I can feel it. The language, I started getting offended by people swearing. I was like, what is going on? I'm, I'm the king of swears. And all these things, and and it all just started leaving me. Um, and so, yeah, today's two years, eight months, and uh, I think five days clean, clean right. and sober. Man, dude, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I love that, bro. That is like because because it's not that no. easy, right? No. Like like most people, that's a, that's a struggle that yeah. relapse that that making the decision yeah. to just be done, yeah. done, yeah. right? Let me ask yeah. you this though. I you came out with the song, brother, that who yeah. I am. And I, I dude, I probably put that on repeat. I I, I know every every word. Don't don't thank ask me to Jesus. sing it cuz I, I can't <laughs> I can't sing. But uh yeah, thank you cuz he would be offended no, by wouldn't. my voice. But uh <laughs> no, here's what I'm asking. I uh I think this is one of the hardest things for people that are really trying to change is to know who they are. Like that I am statement. Yeah. 
And when you sing about it, man, it makes total yeah. sense, right? But how it's how did you realize who you were? How did you come to the realization? You know, it's it's it it seemed to. Oh, looking back now, it seemed to have happened overnight. And I realized that it doesn't happen that way for everybody. And I realized that it it sometimes never happens that way for people. You know, my best friend of 10 years is now dead. Um, and so many people that I, you know, my ex-girlfriend, Caitlin, who I haven't spoken to in two years, uh, you know, still addicted, um, still running, still leading this life. But... Um, I've actually got this. It's so good. This is a perfect time to read this. I've had the Bible on my lap here sitting in my truck. But first, Peter, um, this is the Passion Translation, which just speaks to my heart. For you have already spent enough time doing what unbelievers love to do, living in debauchery, sensuality, partying, drunkenness, wild drinking parties, and the worship of demons. They marvel that you no longer rush to join them in excess of their corrupt lifestyles. And so they vilify you. But one day they will have to give an account to the one who is destined to judge the living and the dead. This is the reason the gospel was preached to the martyrs before they gave their lives. Even though they were judged by human standards, now they live in spirit by God's standards. Mm. And I feel like, thank you, Jesus. And I knew that was for a reason because that I was reading that before this started. But I feel like I've lived, I've lived that long enough, um, and in the moment of of realizing that there was something more, and I accepted Christ, and I just said, I almost got mad at him. I I, I almost got mad at God, um, and 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 I remember saying, if you're so good or so great, and whatever these songs are, like, I remember in the beginning, I was saying that, like, it, I don't understand these songs. I don't know what the heck you're so perfect and you're so amazing and you're so glorious and all these. I was like, what is this? What? And I remember getting mad and being like, then, then Mr. Glory, you do it. Like you take it, you show me, you know, I want to see a miracle like these songs talk about. And I, and I, and I literally, cause I've, I've always been a man of, of music. And, and so I think I, he knew that the whole time that he would, he would draw me in with the music, but I believe that it's okay to get mad. And the more I look at this father son relationship that I've got with him, this father son relationship where I need to get, need to get reprimanded for the things that I've done and the time that I spent away and the, and the running away and things, but the love the open arms, his open arms, I believe I'm a very visual guy. And so I, I really tried to see that as the return of the prodigal son and the running through the field with my arms open and his arms are open and he's running after me and here, here he comes. And it's like, and there's a celebration afterwards. And I just feel like it's been celebration after celebration after celebration from other believers and other people and even unbelievers just going, we don't know what you're doing, but wow, it's working. You know, wow. And, and they're seeing this, this living, this faith, walking this thing out, you know. And so how, how long did it take for you to trust him, though? You know what I mean? Like, this is real. How, oh, we're how still long? Counting. Uh, Brock, <laughs> we're still I believe that the time is ticking away. Um, oh, my gosh. I, yeah, I, I mean, you want to talk about real. You want to talk about real. 
You know, I still struggle all the time. I'll fall into lust. I'll fall into porn. I'll fall into to unbelief. I'll fall into all these things. I mean, talk about real. I, I don't believe that I am worthy enough to stand up in front of anybody and tell them who God is and what God has done and all these things. But I just know in my heart that 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 I've changed and that this change is is happening as we speak and is real. And so I have no choice. The, the platform that he's given and the things I will use for his glory. And I will say, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm different because I was this way and now I'm this way. And I don't really know how, but I know that there's one common denominator and his name is Jesus. Yeah. Because, because I've always had his name in my mouth. Let's face it. I used to say his name derogatory everywhere I went, but I had no idea of who he was because no one ever taught me. And so once I learned about that is, I think that's one thing that finds that, uh, that I find extremely mysterious and extreme, extremely hard to explain is the people that use his name in vain. And, and, and I was one of them. How did they hear about him? How is that name a vulgar name that's in your mouth? It, it blows me away. How did you hear about him? And why isn't it Tom, Tom Johnson? Why don't you just say, oh, for Tom Johnson's sake? Or how come you don't, how come it's, you know what I mean? Why is it the name of Jesus? How, how did you hear that? And in reality, the more I look at it, when I hear somebody say his name in vain, because I've been here, I've heard it a few times recently. My favorite thing to say is at least you know his name. Mm. And I've had I've had people look at me and go, whose name? What are you talking about? You know, go the name of Jesus. You just said his name. But I believe that 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 it's that it's it, it's they're crying out to him and they don't even know it. Like they're crying out to him. Why wouldn't they say your name or my name or anyone's name? I mean, they, anyway, it's, there's things like that that perplex me. And uh, I believe it's just all part of the mystery, you know. Let me uh, let me read you this quote, man. When I, I re I'm reading a book called True North Amazing. right now, and I got to this quote about a, a psychologist, William James. This is a, this is a century old. So he says, "I have often thought that the best way to define a man's character is to seek out the particular mental or moral attitude in which he felt himself most deeply and intensely active and alive. At such moments, there is a voice inside which speaks and says." This is wow. the real me. So, Ben, so Ben, here you go. Can you recall a time or can you recall when you most felt intensely alive and could say with confidence, this is the real me? Because you just hit a big point, man. Like, we're not perfect. We yeah. fall. We go backwards. We, 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 we curse. We, we're angry. We fall into porn. Yeah. We, we, we have these sins. But how do you know that this is the real Ben Right. Because, man, this is so and, and you sing yeah. about it. I mean, you know it, but I would uh, love to hear what I mean, your I had thought a moment is where when I moved down here, I was holding on to the country music. I was holding on to trying to be somebody else. I was holding on to um, this fictitious character who Ben was and, and what I perceived myself as. And, you know, before before I signed with the label, they um, they sent me to a woman named Diane Sheets. And um, she's one of the most incredible vocal coaches, uh, I believe, in the world. Um, but she's worked with all the greats. And um, I got to go to her and I thought that I would be having a vocal lesson. 
because they said, well, they want me to be better, a better singer before they sign me, of course. And I walked in there and was like, you know, expecting it was going to be la, 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 la. And I stood there and, and she, uh, she says, well, I'm, I'm going to have you sing, um, one of your songs. And, and so go ahead and sit down. And, and I got my guitar out and she just said, okay, go ahead and sing. And I sang and she says, stop. And I started again and she said, stop, try it again. And I started singing and she goes, nope, try again. And I started singing again and I, and she says, nope, try again. And, and we did that maybe 50 times. And I will never forget, I was so offended and just, I felt weak and helpless. And um, because I'm supposed to be some some powerful, mighty, new, brand new Christian breakout artist, singer that was going to just change the world and all these things. And I, and I remember giving up. I literally, I almost took it as a joke, like this is a joke. And I remember giving up and I started to sing and she looked at me and she said, there you are. And something changed and I was able to release these things that I was holding on to this person that I thought I was these things. And that was a giant moment for me because I will never forget letting go of who I thought I was supposed to be and actually finding out who I am. And that moment will live on in me forever. And I remember she looked at me and she smiled and she had tears and I didn't even realize that I was bawling. And I just, I was crying so hard because I had realized that I had something had broke off of me and that I could finally just be me and not have to be anybody mm. else. Yeah, man. Yeah, That's it, was, deep. it was, <laughs> it was really beautiful. Yeah. She's, she's God moved so mightily there. Um, but I, that, that point for me, when you ask about a turning point, when you ask about a point where, when I really found out who I was and really found out who I am now, like that, that moment I think was one of the biggest turning points, um, has, is, is the biggest turning point in my career so far. Nice. Yeah. So let me let me let me wrap it up with with just a couple of questions. I know I, I don't want to. I, 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 this has been this has been beautiful. This has been perfect. But I want to know one person who's had the greatest impact on your life. Oh my gosh! Um, wow, that's a that's an incredibly hard question. You know, I probably I would have to say my dad. Um, all the years that we spent running away, all the years that we spent um, not talking, all the years that we spent in um, just budding heads. Um, it's amazing how God has used all those moments and, and made it more bittersweet than ever as he's brought us around. And my dad and I are actually having conversation and um, 
there's there's walls that have been torn down now and you know my dad is he's watching um he's watching this thing unfold and and he's you know he'll text me he'll text me who i am played in atlanta 10 a.m who who i am uh, played in la on the fish at at 4 p.m prime time he's saying these things and he's 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 listening to the radio stations because he's 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 I know he's about the numbers and I know he's about like his son's fame or whatever, but God is having him listen to these other songs and he's having him tune into Christian radio stations. <laughs> it's like, you know, God forbid he requests me, you know, the song, but it's like, he, he's, he's, uh, he's being, he's being softened and changed and, and, and I could see the joy and, and, uh, and the love and it's like, this is my dad, the guy that I couldn't have any of these conversations with. Um, so I think I, I thank him for the work ethic that he put me through, the hard times that he put me through, the yelling that he put me through, um, because this just made it that much sweeter. Um, now. So so where where do you see this going, man? Where do you send, see this? Uh, I mean, it's scary. It's, moving. it's scary, I, I, but I've been praying for a lot of big things. You know, I'm asking God for a tour bus. I know He's going to give me one. I'm asking Him for all the diesel fuel, regardless of the prices. I know He owns it all. <laughs> I'm asking Him for a driver because I know He's got a few of those up His sleeve. Um, and and I see it going beyond that. Um, I see it going as as far as as I will let it. Because I let's face it, I'm the one that gets in the way. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll screw it up. up. Absolutely. So yeah. as long as I stay uh, obedient and open and ready, um, I, heaven's a limit. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just I see this thing being a huge movement. I see Christian music changing. I see honesty and love. People like Morgan Wallen singing songs about Jesus. I see a lot of things. Country music is coming back around. There's a lot of pop stars that are giving their life to the Lord. Things are changing. And God is, is, is moving mightily. People like Justin Bieber, he's praying for people. I mean, lived a life of drugs and running and, you know, just hopelessness. And, and there's something that changes uh, when the Lord enters your heart and, and that, that, that lantern is ignited. Um, so I don't know where it's, I mean, he knows where it's going to go, but I'm open. And I know that it's, it's going to blow my mind. I had a woman uh, prophesy to me. Uh, last week and she just said he's gonna surprise you he likes to surprise he loves surprise he loves he loves surprises and and uh he he's he's ready to you watch he's gonna surprise you with some things he's very excited about surprising you and i was just like you know here we go go. he always (laughs) does that though doesn't he amen so so ben last question brother why you don't know us from Adam, man. Why did you accept the invitation to come to Mesa, man, Arizona man, I on July? Uh, I told, I told, um, you know, my managers know this about me and and what I believe. But like I said in, in the beginning, um, if it's for one guy, if it's for one girl, um, just one heart to hear um, what happened to me, um, then then it was worth it. And so when I get opportunities and people come and all this stuff, and I've, I've heard, you know, the larger you get, the, the more famous and popular and blah, 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 the harder it is 
to go places because everything's more money and it's more expensive and you're harder to get and you're harder to find and you're blah, 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 blah. But I just, I really, my managers know that I really, um, everybody around me knows that, that my heart is for, for, um, guys like me, for girls like me, for people like us that have been through that. And so if it's a, a, a tiny town in, in Arizona or if it's a, a massive city somewhere in, in, in across the country. I don't, whatever it is, I just believe that it's worth it. That's why God, God, God has been sending me to prison. You know, the prison that he kept me out of my whole life. I've been doing a lot of prison ministry and I'll tell you, I've been having more church in prison than I have in church recently. And, um, I just believe that he sends me to those places, to those little forgotten places and forgotten people to remind them. And that's what I ask him to do. And that's the crazy thing is I ask him, God, send me to those places, send me to the places that, that nobody wants to go or that they're too good for, or too big for, or too important for, or whatever that is. Never let me get that way, Lord. You know, if I've got to fire a bus up and spend $8,000 to go to, to visit a small boy who's ready to kill himself in, in New York city, is eight thousand dollars worth the price of a life? guy. Let's send it. Mm, Let's go. Yeah. I'll go. <laughs> send me, man. <laughs> send me. Yeah. That's what he said, right, man? I I love this brother. I I Thank I am. Lord. I have a yeah. thousand questions. I'm so I'm so honored, man. You're a good man, Ben. Thank I can you. feel it. I can feel the spirit. I know that God is God yes. has been present in this Amen. in this message today. And if if there's one thing that you could end with, man, what what message of hope would man, you leave never, these listeners? Ever, ever stop telling your story. Never ever. Your story matters. Your life matters. Um, your heart matters. And um, you have the opportunity to change somebody's life with your story. And even when you think the tricks, the tricks from from below will will try to tell you that your life or story doesn't matter and i'm here to tell you that 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 he is wrong and your story does matter so the freedom that happens in that and and the life that you give to others by doing that is irreplaceable um and so that's that's what i would say that's what i'm doing that's what i'm trying to do man my friends, my listeners, my, my people, you have been you've been fed today spiritually. We've been edified. And uh Ben, till we see you in July, man, I hope we get some time to to sit down and just uh just catch up. But thank you for being on the Chase of Ace podcast. And uh Yeah, yeah it's then, an honor. You want to pray you. real quick and pray us out of this thing? Yeah, please. Yeah. A- absolutely. Yeah. Be honored. Yeah. I'll, you got it I'll, or me? It. This is your deal. <clears throat> Let's you, go. Let's go. Lord, thank you for this beautiful, this, this time that we had together. Thank you for your effort in putting us together and for this team. We, uh, we are bringing this activity here to Mesa, Arizona, to, to be able to feel your presence and your, your guide and your, and your love for us. We are, we are your people, and we are your tribe, and we, uh, we, honor, we honor that. We, we have felt the Spirit. We've been edified today. We're thankful for the recovery journey that we're on and for the message that, that Ben has. We just ask that you will continue to be a light that we can follow, that we can stand up for what is right and stand up for those who are in need. And this we say in the name Amen. of Jesus Christ. Amen. Love you, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, man. I'm-